0: I'm so grateful to Chelsea and Lily and Savannah for working hard on that and bringing that scripture to life. Doing it as a skit helps us see that this story is more than just a lesson, it's more than just a miracle, it's the way that Jesus lived, the way that Jesus lived his life in his community was looking for people who needed help, not being content to just allow the power to go out from him, but to find the ones who needed help and restore them into full life in the community. That's what's really astonishing about our God. Our God came in person, in Jesus Christ, to a specific place and a specific time to care for the people there in that community. That's what we call incarnation. God as a human, coming as a full human. It's a model for our lives. It is a model to incarnate God in our community to go as God sent Jesus into a specific community, the place where we are, to care for the people and the places right where we are. Now this is how God has always wanted his children to live. Jesus modeled the law, modeled what God had been teaching God's people for generations. In our second scripture, it's almost 600 years before Jesus was born. And God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah from Jerusalem to god 's people in Babylon, after the Babylonians have conquered them and taken them to exile in Babylon. Jesus says that false, I mean sorry, Jeremiah says that false prophets have been telling the people to expect imminent rescue from Babylon, that God was going to act to save them quickly, that they should rebel and work against the Babylonians because God was going to send them to freedom soon. And we hear this sort of thing, I think, from some Christians today. This sort of idea of exile on earth, that this is not my home. Attitude that allows Christians... To neglect the places and the communities in which God has sent us. In contrast to the false prophets, Jeremiah speaks God's word in chapter 29, verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare... You will find your welfare. God was telling the Israelites that they were going to be there for a long time, that they could not be islands in Babylon. They didn't want to be there, they didn't like the Babylonian people in which they found themselves, but the relationships that they were in between their families. And the Babylonian neighbors were symbiotic, mutually beneficial. So God calls us to, to care for the community in which we live. Even when we find ourselves in exile, in a place that we don't like to be, or maybe a place we don't want to be, God calls us to care for where we are. Even if we don't like or maybe we disapprove of people in our community, we are still called to care for them and to pray for them. As I said last week, Being a light in our community does mean to be positive, to emphasize the things that are beautiful and creative and the things that are of God in our community. But it also means to bring light to exposing places that are broken, where there are problems in our community, things that are not of God. See, Jesus wasn't content to simply heal. Jesus... Jesus calls the woman into the light. He names her a daughter and He restores her into relationship in the community. We are called to seek out brokenness, to learn about it, to move towards it, to come alongside and to help. Caring for our community, for where we are, means education, advocacy, and action and it is mutually beneficial because that is the way that God builds communities to be interconnected woven together so that all of us together grow when 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 any of us are growing our welfare is tied into the community at whole we can only do as well as our least educated our least healthy our least cared for we are all together bound in this community here or in the communities where you find yourself if you're not in greenville now We are focusing on Greenville because that is where our church is and we've got ministry happening in our church that allows us to care for where we are. I've done two interviews with experts to help educate you and show you where you can take action in our community here in Greenville. The first interview I want to play is Rebecca Roper a member of our congregation, our church family, and an advocate for Coleman of South Carolina since 2006. Rebecca's mother, Betty Howard, was also a member of our church. In fact, her parents met here. Betty died of breast cancer in 2000. So I'll show you the video now.
1: We're talking about promoting the welfare of the city in which we live. And one of uh, the organizations that we work with annually is Komen of South Carolina. And Rebecca Roper is our main connection liaison to that organization. So I wanted to talk with her today about how they serve our community and help us to care for our city. So Rebecca, thank you for spending some time with me today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: I wanted to get right to it and ask where is the problem in our community that in South Carolina is addressing?
2: The main problem is just people being, um, having access to what we need, to accessing to the treatments that they need. Um, there are many individuals that um, are living at a level where they don't have the the Medicaid they need or the medical insurance they need and just getting access to the treatments that will save their lives is the main problem.
1: So how does uh, Komen South Carolina help with that problem?
2: So the main part that Komen does is the funds that are raised each year through things like Walk, Walking for the Cure, is the funds are able to be invested in the community to provide care to these individuals. So in addition to the research that we do anyways, we're also able to provide mammograms um, and treatments of that nature to women that wouldn't otherwise have access to it.
1: So helping people right here in our community to get access to the care that they need. So the walk itself, can you tell me a minute, a little bit about that and how it helps?
2: Absolutely. The walk itself is the signature fundraising event. And in the past, it's been um, called Race for the Cure. And this year we're moving more to a walk and combining forces with our um, affiliate in Charleston, South Carolina, to serve all of South Carolina. And the walk is, like I said, the signature fundraising event that unites those that are currently battling breast cancer, those who have survived it, um, and walking in memory of those who lost their battle.
1: Oh, wow. So I can see how that's really strengthening our community, especially folks who are suffering uh, in this way. Absolutely. So uh, then how can we help as a church? How can we be a part of this?
2: There's really two main ways that the church can help be a part of this. Um, One is the fundraising. So each week, um, contributing to the virtual pink buckets that we're doing this year, um, or you can donate directly to my team, the Betty Bunch. Or the other way is to register for the walk. It's free this year. It will be held virtually on October 24th. And just join in that community to surround these men and women that are battling this disease, or like in our case, walking in memory of of those who have lost the battle.
1: Thank you so much. It seems like a, a great way for us to help. We have set up giving through the church and that'll be as part of our text to give and also through links on our website. And I might be able to get that on the screen here. We'll see how that goes. But uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it today.
2: Yeah, awesome, thank you.
1: Thank you again to Rebecca. And we'll
0: have that link again available after the sermon. In the second interview, we learn about how we can help families who have been hit the hardest by the collateral damage of the pandemic. Here's that video.
1: Well, I'm here with Kathy Hall, who is the social worker at Legacy Early College Elementary. And our church has worked with Legacy for for several years in support providing weekend meal backpacks, but all that has changed within the context of the pandemic. So we're here to talk with her about what sort of uh, problems and and situations that their families are facing and, and how we can come alongside. So Kathy, could you tell me what you're seeing right now with your families.
3: Hi, thank you. Um, So we are, uh, I'm currently serving kindergarten through fourth grade. Um, We are a local school here located in the Woodside area. We are Title I, which basically means that 100% or 99 point something something percent of our children live below the poverty line. Um, As everybody knows, this pandemic has affected all of us, um, specifically for individuals that live below the poverty line, we are seeing um, an immense amount of poverty, uh, more poverty than what we were originally exposed to. Parents and and families who are already struggling are now losing jobs. Um, They're being asked to stay home to take care of their children and support them through e-learning. A lot of the resources that they were um, reaching out to and and obtaining are not accessible to them or are being spread thin because there are more people asking for those services. So these families are struggling. Um, They're struggling to um, uh, meet the basic needs of their children and then support all of the academic requirements that um, schools are having to rely on parents to complete with virtual and online and hybrid schools.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Well, that, I mean, e-learning and all of that, we were talking before about how challenging it is for, for us, and we have so many resources and, and afforded so much privilege. Uh, and, and so I can't imagine how hard it must be for, for your families there.
3: Absolutely. Our, um, our families do not have privilege. Uh, most of our families are families of color. Um, they're also, like I said, families that are afflicted by poverty and um, you know, a lot of the resources that they have are resources that they've kind of scraped and obtained and they've not been given to them and they come with conditions. Privilege allows you know, folks like you and I to be able to meet the needs of our kids or pay someone to help when, when you know, we can't meet those needs. Um, unfortunately, our families can't do that. Uh, it adds stress to the family. Parenting is hard anyway, um, but then when you have families who uh, feel like they're not able to meet the needs, these unique and new needs, it can just add stress. Um,
1: so how can, how can we come alongside as a church?
3: So I um, have thought a lot about this question and, um, you know, we always have providers who are willing to give us something, um, you know, serve our community in some sort of way financially or providing a service. And I think what we need right now, what our families need and our community needs, is people-to-people connections. Mm-hmm. Um, the pandemic has really created a division um, where we've been asked to socially kind of isolate ourselves, and as a result of that, parents just don't have the support of other parents. They um, are feeling very overwhelmed. There's a lot of, you know, uh, unemployment and and. Survivor of trauma and different things going on where people need support and children need support. And so it would be wonderful to be able to connect Our families with your families in a way that you guys can just be a friend to these families, Um, potentially Helping them if you know you have a service that could help them. For example, um, Say you have a mom that works second shift and she needs to be able to read 20 minutes with her child, but she can't do that. Maybe there's a family that could get on Zoom and interact with that child um, or that in that family um, to, to read to them or help them learn their learn English. We have a lot of kindergartners who don't speak very, very good English. And so to be able to communicate and just have another person that they're talking to about, you know, what they did today to work on their English, things like that, that would be a huge help to some of these families.
1: Uh, I mean that that's so great because to me it's fundamental to the gospel of Christ to connect people together and to build up our community and find ways to care for our community and so being able to connect people together uh, even if it's only through zoom uh, for folks to be able to read to kids uh, to help kids with their English I mean that seems like a great idea. So we'll definitely get together and uh, work out the details and get, try to start getting uh, some families connected. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
3: you.
0: I've talked to so many of you that I know are at home, spending a lot more time at home and uh, looking for ways to help. What a great opportunity Kathy has presented to us to be able to help just from your own couch reading books to kids over Zoom. It would help these families to support them during this e-learning time and, and support them as they need to work and, and maybe work in second shift in order to help uh, help their kids. If you want to be a part of this, please let me know. We're going to get this started as soon as possible. When we can care for our community one family at a time, one step at a time, one gift at a time, then we get to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead and he did it he was. He cared for the excluded and the marginalized in his community, and he wants us to do the same in our community. In each community, through God's people, Jesus is at work by the Holy Spirit, and we are grateful and give thanks for the work of Jesus Christ in our lives and in our communities. To care for where we are. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.